0: God confronts pride It's a very, very destructive attitude in the ancient city of Tyre. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. My name is Rod Hembry.
1: I'm Janice. And
0: this is Bible Discovery TV. We are taking you through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. It is very exciting. We've been doing this for about 33 years. This is really, really good. Now Ezekiel 28, we're going to talk about in about five minutes and focus on that. Corey and Ryan are here in about 12 minutes, Corey.
2: All right. Well, I'm going to be focusing in on a passage from Ezekiel chapter 29 today, where the prophet mentions the king of Babylon.
3: Ryan? Well, today I'm talking about a really fascinating passage in Ezekiel, which mentions both the prince of Tyre and the king of Tyre. Who were these very mysterious
0: figures? I'm glad you're talking about that, Ryan, because I didn't focus on that. But anyway, uh, Janice.
1: Well, it's Friday. We have our Friday wrap-up question. Let's see. I post a question anywhere from the material from Ezekiel chapter 12 all the way through to 30. Ezekiel 28, 1-10 The word of the Lord came to me again, saying, Son of man, say to the prince of Tyre, Thus says the Lord God, Because your heart is lifted up, and you say, I am a God, I sit in the seat of gods, in the midst of the seas, yet you are a man and not a God, though you set your heart as the heart of a God. Behold, you are wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that can be hidden from you. With your wisdom and your understanding, you have gained riches for yourself and gathered gold and silver into your treasuries. By your great wisdom in trade, you have increased your riches, and your heart is lifted up because of your riches. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Because you have set your heart as the heart of a God, behold, therefore, I will bring strangers against you, the most horrible of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom and defile your splendor. They shall throw you down into the pit, and you shall die the death of the slain in the midst of the seas." Will you still say before him who slays you, I am a god? But you shall be a man and not a god in the hand of him who slays you. You shall die the death of the uncircumcised by the hand of aliens. For I have spoken, says the Lord God. Ezekiel 28 verses 1 through 10.
0: Ezekiel chapter 28, chapter 29, and chapter 30, as we continue reading the Bible through from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. You know, when God talks, everyone listens, everyone. Even if they do not believe that there is a God, when he speaks, everyone hears him. Ezekiel tells us the story of a king in the city of Tyre who actually thought that he was God. Like the people of Tyre, he was guilty of pride. That's what the Bible says. In fact, the Lord speaks to the spirit behind that man by confronting Satan directly. And he says, quote, You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The workmanship of your tim- trembles and pipes were prepared for you on the day that you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in all of your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. Ezekiel chapter 28 verses 13 to 15. Very important scripture. You see. God speaks to the man and tells Satan that he was created and he needed to remember that. When God speaks, all listen on heaven and on earth. We need to hear the Lord again in our culture. We need to listen. And that is not so much about God having to speak any louder. It's about us having to lend our ears to hear him better. And we do that by reading his word. And by understanding what he said, because so many people are, I got this word for you. I got that word for you. Well, I, I have a word for you. It's in the Bible. You can get it yourself and read it yourself. From the word of God. Not from me. I'm just telling you where it is. I'm like one beggar telling another beggar where I found the bread. Word of God. Because it talks about Jesus. And Jesus is somebody that you need to know because he forgives your sin. He comes becomes into your life as Lord of your life. And he gives you the Holy Spirit. I mean, it is an amazing, it's amazing to experience God. Gives us everything we need. Well, today we're going to focus on chapter 28 and talk about when God talks to us. So turn your Bible guide there. Call us or write us if you don't have a Bible guide. If, Or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, click on the page and it'll it'll take you to a place where you can download it just like we printed it. And you can have your own copy. But today... When God talks, Father, I pray today when you talk, help us to hear you because you've been talking a lot and we haven't been listening because we've been so busy. This interruption, that interruption, here's an interruption, there's an interruption, here's an interruption, there's a. We need to be listening to you, Father. Help us to hear you. Help us bring us into the discipline. Of focusing our energy on nothing, no phones, no listening to your word. Help us to do that today. As we read your word, teach us your ways and show us your paths in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen. Now let's look at Ezekiel 28. This is important. The first part of the chapter, which is to the man, the word of the Lord came to me again saying, that's what Ezekiel says every time God speaks to him, the word of the Lord came to me again, saying, son of man, say to the prince of Tyre, thus says the Lord God, because your heart is lifted up and you say, I am a God. I sit in the seat of gods in the midst of the seas. Yet you're a man and not a God. Though you set your heart as the heart of a God, behold, are you wiser than Daniel? There's no secret that can be hidden from you. With your wisdom and your understanding, you've gained riches for yourself and gathered gold and silver into your treasuries. By your great wisdom in trade, you have increased your riches and your heart is lifted up because of your riches? You see, God confronts the attitude of self-righteousness and pride in the king of Tyre. Everything we have is not because of what we do. I want you to hear this. Christians, listen. Non-Christians, consider. Everything we have is not because of what we do, but because of God's wisdom and our pursuit of it. Let me tell you something. God uses Daniel to explain, are you as wise as Daniel? This this is God's beloved person. We'll get to Daniel in a few weeks, but it's important for us to hear this, that every talent we have, every gift we have, every ability we have, God gave us. We didn't decide those abilities. We didn't decide that talent. We didn't give ourselves the ability to sing. We didn't give ourselves the ability to, God did. Keep that in mind. So we praise God accordingly. Something to consider. If you're not a Christian, something to consider. Ezekiel 28, 6. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have set your heart as the heart of a God, behold, therefore, I will bring strangers against you, the most terrible of nations, and they shall draw their sword against the beauty of your wisdom. And defile your splendor. They shall throw you down into the pit, and you shall die the death of the slain in the midst of the seas. Wow, God says that He will bring enemies who will defeat the king. God always confronts wrong thinking. Let me tell you something the Lord always confronts wrong thinking. If we don't think right, God will correct it. He knows. So keep that in mind, okay? Now let's read the last part of this because it's really something. Will you still say say before him, who slays you? I'm God. I am a God. But you shall be a man and not a God in the hand of him who slays you. You shall die the death of the uncircumcised by the hand of aliens or the hand of strangers. For I have spoken, says the Lord. I don't want to hear God speak to me that way, I'll tell you. God always does what he says in his word. God will show himself as Lord. And we need to encourage, to encourage as many as possible to believe in him. Now, Tyre did not have a bright bright ending, a very dark ending under the sea. A very big problem you can study in history. But we need to pay attention and we I I need to encourage you to come to Jesus Christ. His name, Jesus Christ. If you want to use Hebrew, Yeshua HaMashiach, very important. His name, Jesus Christ, is very important. And you say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I ask you forgiveness of my sins. And I pray, Lord, that you would help me by being the Lord of my life. I need you i give everything to you in the name of jesus christ and by the power of the holy spirit and we all said together amen christians be ready to share your testimony with as many people who come to you hi rod hember here we go through the bible every year from genesis 1 to revelation 22. now You can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it, watch us anytime you want to.
3: All right, welcome back to the program. My segment today is all about Ezekiel chapter 28, in which God tells the prophet to speak to both the prince of Tyre and the king of Tyre. And the question that comes up as we're reading this passage is if these are two separate figures or if they're the same person. Another related question is what is their relationship to Satan? Well, let's see if we can find out. Many students of the Bible have been eluded by Ezekiel chapter 28. In this particular passage, God addresses both the Prince of Tyre and the King of Tyre. Are these two figures the same person? And what are their relationships to Satan? While some Bible scholars believe that these two figures are in fact one and that the prophecies pronounced are only about a physical man, Messianic Jewish scholar Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum points out an important distinction. In verses 1-10, through Ezekiel is commanded to address a man whom he entitles the Prince of Tyre. It is quite evident from history that the one addressed as the Prince was really the King of Tyre, and the rest of the world considered him to be such. Yet when God ordered Ezekiel to prophesy, he gave this King of Tyre a lesser title, that of merely a Prince, for the real King was another personality entirely. Verse 11, he says, is the start of a new prophecy. Yet there is a relationship to the previous prophecy of verses 1 through 10. In verses 1 through 10, Ezekiel has been addressing a human individual called the Prince of Tyre. However, in verses 11 through 19, he is dealing with a superior being, an angelic being, Satan, and addressed him as the King of Tyre. The real King of Tyre was not the visible person sitting on the throne, but an invisible person, Satan, who was controlling the visible one. Evidence that these are two separate prophecies for two separate figures and that this human prince of Tyre was really just the puppet of Satan can be gleaned from the biblical text. Indeed, verse 2 reveals that this leader had become so powerful that he thought himself a god, the very same thing that led to Satan's fall. Additionally, based on the information given regarding this king of Tyre in verses 11-19, through this cannot be any other than Satan himself. Indeed, of the king of Tyre, God says, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. You were the anointed cherub who covers. You were perfect in your ways, from the day you were created, till iniquity was found in you. Ephesians 6.12 confirms that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. All right. So you might or might not agree with my conclusions and that's totally fine. But based on the information given in this passage, I personally believe that there was a human ruler referred to as the Prince of Tyre, but that he was really a puppet of Satan, who I believe was the King of Tyre in this particular passage. But as I always do, I want to encourage you to study this for yourself because God loves it when you spend time with him and his word.
0: Yeah, it's really true. And this is a fascinating read because it's also in Isaiah 14 too. So it's very, very interesting. Um, all right. Thank you, Ryan. Corey?
2: All right. Well, interestingly, Ezekiel chapter 29 gives us a little bit of a historical uh, uh, mention here. It lets us know that uh, Nebuchadnezzar was not really successful in his besiegement and his attacking of the ancient city of Tyre. And so because Nebuchadnezzar is being used as a tool of God, God is now going to replenish his army with the plunder he didn't get from Tyre by handing Egypt's Over to Nebuchadnezzar. And this is all in Ezekiel chapter 29. Now, from history, we can look back and take a look at Nebuchadnezzar's campaign on Tyre. And what we find out is that, yeah, it it was somewhat successful, but he spent so much time besieging Tyre that it wasn't financially successful for his military. He spent, if you can believe it, about 13 years besieging the ancient city of Tyre. But right now, let's focus on Nebuchadnezzar's entire career and his reign and see if we can learn more. The Bible's portrayal of the Neo-Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar is an interesting one. From the perspective of the people living in Judah and Jerusalem, he was a fearsome and war-savvy enemy to whom the prophets of God said they must bow one way or the other. To the first wave of noble exiles that were trained in his courts, Nebuchadnezzar was their new king, and he's portrayed in ways that demonstrate his pride, anger, and eventually how he was humbled with a bout of what today would be labeled as mental illness. The Bible also mentions Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian building projects specifically as a source of pride for this ancient king. In the history recorded outside of the Bible, we see a similar picture emerge with even more detail. Nebuchadnezzar II was the son of Nebuchadnezzar. With military might and strong alliances, these two men led Babylon to decisive military victories over the dominant Assyrian Empire. Eventually, they completely destabilized it, defeating its leaders and taking its place as the new world power of the ancient Near East. When Nebuchadnezzar took the throne, he solidified his power by crushing rebellions and taking his place as the shepherd of the city of Babylon. This meant that he launched huge building campaigns, funded, no doubt, by the spoils of his warfare. And the city of Babylon became a major project. Babylon's main deities were Marduk and Nebo. And one of Nebuchadnezzar's finest building achievements was the rebuilding and refurnishing of their temple structures. He restored the great ziggurat of Babylon that's often associated with the Tower of Babel, and he rebuilt the temple of Marduk. Nebuchadnezzar also fixed the canal of the Euphrates that passed through the city and a large processional bridge to facilitate the yearly festival and procession celebrating Marduk's victory and order. Nebuchadnezzar built the inner and outer walls of Babylon, his large palace and various temples, shrines, idols, and public buildings. This is the background for his boast of being Babylon's creator recorded in Daniel 4. Also notable are the many inscriptions Nebuchadnezzar left behind. Many are dedication inscriptions that he always seems to have ended with prayer, His prayers are noteworthy for his purposeful, humble approach, a king who owes all of his success to Marduk and the gods, a worshipper who wants peace, protection, and to serve the god he's addressing. Interestingly, Nebuchadnezzar II founded what may rightly be called the world's first museum. In a wing of his palace, he displayed artifacts from captured nations, objects excavated from ancient civilizations, inscriptions, statues, and some of his own commissioned work. He opened this collection to be viewed by the public. It testified to all of his supposed worthiness to protect and rule mankind. a really interesting life a really interesting career that thankfully is very well documented through history and through the bible
0: yeah it it really is now nebuchadnezzar this is an interesting guy yeah okay and he it's seven years acting like an animal Mm -hmm. because God took his mind away. Now Mm -hmm. think about that. Seven years. This is a man who built the kingdom Mm -hmm. and he's standing out there thinking about how great he is. And all of a sudden he loses his mind. Mm -hmm. And for seven years. And of course, you know, the people around him would have built a, a little bit of a cocoon so they could at least protect the kingdom. But then he comes to himself afterwards, what an amazing story,
2: yeah, it really is
0: and i i like I personally think, and I like to believe that he's in heaven, but we don't know because the lord's you know is the one who makes that decision, but mm-hmm. nevertheless, um he is the author of chapter four of Daniel mm-hmm. and Daniel, we're going to get to Daniel that is a great book, uh and it's wonderful, but this is really, really interesting. Um, anyway. Uh, Go ahead with the question. Let's get to the question. Well,
1: what we can do is ask Corey to explain for any viewer what happens on the weekends.
2: All right. So on the weekends, my husband and I do Bible Discoveries, the weekend show. So we discuss big topics that pop up as we're reading through the Bible. And we also aim to answer viewer questions as well. So if that interests you, check out my YouTube channel, Corey Bebeczko.
0: And Corey Bebeczko is your YouTube channel. Ryan, your YouTube channel is?
3: It's just my name as well, Ryan Hembry.
0: Okay, so check that out. We are Pastor uh, Hembry uh, on YouTube as well. That's where you can find our stuff as well, the prayer meetings and all of that. Mm-hmm. You join me on Mondays for the prayer meetings. I do, yeah. And yeah. Uh,
3: Pastor Rod Hembry is, the, is your channel.
0: Yep, and yeah. uh, your brother Brandon joins me on joins us on Fridays. Uh, so he's uh, he's uh, doing a good one too. Anyway. Um, Let's get to the question because I have a feeling that they can answer it. I don't know. I'm just saying.
1: We'll see. We'll find Mm. out. Yes. (laughs) Well, you know, there is a lot of information in the book of Ezekiel. Not always easy to direct it into a question, however. But here we go for today. God spoke about a false proverb that was being misconstrued or was giving the wrong impression. In Ezekiel's day, a lot of the people were quoting it. In this proverb, what had the fathers eaten to set their children's teeth on edge? What had the fathers eaten to set their children's teeth on edge? And they would quote this proverb. All right, so that's the question. Here are the multiple choice answers. What had the fathers eaten to set their children's teeth on edge? Had they eaten lemons, had they eaten sour grapes, or had they eaten vinegar? Which of those three would set their children's teeth on edge? What do
0: you Very think? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Very I interesting. Think, I think you guys have this question. Yeah, I, th- I
3: think we do. Secure. Yes. You know,
0: we are pretty secure. confident.
2: We are pretty confident. Mm-hmm. Okay, so our answer is sour grapes.
1: All right, well... If you agreed with Ryan and Corey, we're going to see from the scripture what it says. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 2 says, What do you mean when you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge? So, sour grapes.
0: Yeah, that's what they were saying is that the children were using, well, my fathers did this and did this. That's why we're suffering. And they were not taking responsibility for their own
2: Yeah, God's judging us because of the the iniquities of the generations before us. This isn't our Mm. fault.
0: Now, we, Mm. we take responsibility for our fathers and our mothers and all that. But we also know that every generation has to select who they think God is. Just like this generation today who's watching right now, who are people maybe not watching, but they're people, young people, they will have to select who God is. Well,
1: they choose. They choose who God is. Mm -hmm.
0: And that's what I mean, yeah, choose Mm -hmm. who God is. They'll choose either the truth, the one true God, Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, or they will choose uh, a foolish God, Mm -hmm. another Mm -hmm. God. And that will bear out Mm -hmm. in how the construction of what they make Happens, And a lot of the things that we have trouble with today are because we selected wrongly 20 yeah. years ago. Well,
2: well and I mean, and you see that with the prophets that God has. I mean, by the time of Ezekiel, it is too late for them to make a change uh, that's going to save the, the country and save the, the city of Jerusalem. But we do see, you know, God sending prophets saying you need to repent now because if you do, this judgment isn't going to happen. And uh, they over and over reject wholesale there are individuals that that repent um, but not enough of them to stop the judgment on the country but those mm-hmm. those individuals like Jeremiah like Baruch and and we can be confident like Ebed Melech and people like that are saved from the judgment and even to a certain extent Ezekiel and Daniel they went into exile but they went with their lives didn't they and still with yeah. a purpose
0: I was thinking about that because I was reading again Jeremiah's my personal devotions and I was reading about uh, the Egyptian who saved Jeremiah. God came back and he said, you know, you saved my servant, so I'm gonna save your life. Yep, Absolutely, st- in the midst of all, and then Barak, Yeah, or Baruch.
2: There are things that are going to happen to us because of our sinful culture. Like there, there, there is a cultural judgment that happens from God, but but He deals with us on an individual level as well. So there are still choices that we can make that impact very Mm -hmm. in a very real way our future.
0: So God still selects us and protects us from the things. Uh, if we choose him and if we follow him. So that's very important to keep in mind so that because people will be making decisions right now. So we're not all at the end. We can choose God. Rumble is a great social media network and uh, I've been talking about it a lot, but I'm really excited about it because we're on it and uh, it's just a great network and I encourage you to go to it and make sure you subscribe to our channel, Bible Discovery TV channel, because we have the 24-7 live stream there and we have all of our programs there. Join us on Rumble. Today we pray, Lord, I ask that you would give me the courage to speak about what you've done in my life. Help me today in Jesus name. Amen.